This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. My name is Christopher. I am the associate pastor here on staff with God First in Cheltenham. If I say the word greatness to you, what comes to mind? That's not a rhetorical question. Uh, so, in my mind, when I hear the word greatness, I am immediately transported to a moment that, that was really significant in my life um, where I met uh, Mr. Mandela, and he, he is immediately the, the, the person, when I think of, of the word greatness and associate it with a person, it, that's what comes to mind. And uh, there's a slide that is me quoting somebody I heard talk about Mr. Mandela. I, I've got no idea who it was and where on earth to find this quote, but it's, it, it's pretty much this. It said, you know you're in the presence of a great person because you can see they can really change the world. But you know you're in the presence of a really great person when you walk away feeling, I can change the world. And that, for me, was what spending time with Mr. Mandela was like, is you, you walk out feeling six inches taller, your back is straight, your shoulders are back, and you can take on the world. And he had this incredible ability to infuse uh, enthusiasm, passion, goodness, kindness into almost everybody that he spent time with. I think if, if you read stuff about him, that's what, what comes to mind. That's what people always celebrate about him. And that's certainly for me what, what I think about. But every one of us will have a different perspective on that. But the ability to be successful and achieve greatness is, is one of the very prized hallmarks of our culture, our sort of Western way of living. The ability to chart a course that will discover new worlds, new riches, new treasures... Fame, eternal maybe. Names like Columbus, maybe the Pilgrim Fathers, um, Diaz, Lord Nelson, uh, Cook. Those are names that will go down in, in the history books forever and ever. Maybe a bit more recently, names like Virgin, Atlanta, you know, Branson, Tesla, uh, I'm particularly interested, he's a South African fellow, so we've got in common. So Tesla, SpaceX, just some incredible stuff. Amazon, Coca-Cola, maybe Apple, Microsoft. You know, those are, these are big names, big brands. Oprah. These are people who've pioneered great and impressive 
things in their generation, exceptional people who've written their name in the history books. Speaking of Oprah, she says of herself, I always knew I was destined for greatness. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you sort of have that, you live with that sense. Maybe you were destined for greatness, I know that. <laughs> Some days. Maybe Zig Ziglar says it a bit more fully for you. He's an author, sales guru. He writes, you were designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, and endowed with the seeds of greatness. Hmm. Okay. Maybe that really sort of gets your motor running. The reality is that no matter how ambitious we might be, the majority of us have settled within ourselves that we will live a relatively, in comparison to those names and people, ordinary lives, average lives. And parents, we probably need to settle, or needed to have settled that in our hearts as well, that our, our children will probably not go on to be um, Henry Ford or Richard Branson or the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, and that our children as well will probably live relatively average, ordinary lives. But that certainly doesn't stop us from pushing them, does it? Doesn't stop us from pushing ourselves, because where there's the bell curve, and maybe the sort of CEO of Tesla is on this end, and you know, we're, we're gonna try and be on the very far end of this bell curve within the ordinary spectrum still as possible. We'll push our kids because we think, come on, there is something of greatness in you. So maybe like this guy, you think it's, if I work hard enough, it'll come to me. Dwayne, The Rock Johnson. You know that if you just say The Rock and people know who you're talking about, you've made it. You're successful. You've made greatness. He says, success isn't always about greatness, it's about consistency. Consistently hard, consistent hard work leads to success, but greatness will come. Maybe that's you. You think, yeah, if I work hard enough, I will achieve anything and everything I set my mind to. Maybe. Rock certainly did that. It really does seem that there's something hardwired into us that makes us long for, work hard for, aim to achieve, and surround ourselves with greatness. A lasting legacy, maybe, that transcends generations. Maybe through our children, we want to express that greatness. Maybe a child or a, or a, a couple of generations of greatness will just be the cherry on the cake for us as parents in terms of our own success, achievement, and greatness. I know how that's such a wrestle for me as a parent, for us as parents, is you want to push your children to achieve much, and living ourselves out through our children can be such a challenge sometimes. James Dean, I think, sums this up. He says, the only greatness for man is immortality. Sad he died so young. (laughs) 
So the question is not whether we should strive for success or greatness. I think it's a good thing. There is something in us that, that innately wants to do something great, achieve something great, means something significant and great. So the question is not whether that is a good thing. The question is, what is the measure of that success and greatness that we should be striving for? Maybe you've needed to ask that for yourself, work that through. The challenge is there's so many voices into that, aren't there? When we turn on the TV, um, there's a very loud voice. When we, when we turn on, what's that, is it Love Island? Is that the show? Apparently it's a big deal. I think <laughs> Love Island is teaching an entire generation of Englanders what is important in life. What are the things we should be valuing? What is the measure of success? Sure. Help us, Lord. <laughs> Esther Hicks, uh, she's an author, and she writes, the only true measure of success is the amount of joy we are feeling. Maybe, maybe you're in that camp. You go, yeah, yeah, I, I, can, I can get that. It's, it's when I'm on holiday. That's when I feel most successful. When I've made the money. <laughs> My wife's laughing. She loves holidays at the beach. Um, you know, when that paycheck comes in, boom, ka-ching, and you get the text on your phone, you're like, yeah, I've made it, made it. Maybe when you're out and you're able to party the way you want to, or you're able to express yourself buying the clothes that you want, my joy is full, I have reached success. Maybe... Like John Maxwell says, who's another author, leadership guru, he says, happiness simply cannot be relied upon as a measure of success. He says exactly the opposite. Now we've got two opposing voices telling us how you measure success. Like John Maxwell, you've probably realized there are seasons of really hard work in life where it's blood, sweat, and tears, and it's not all plain sailing and hurrah, hurrah all the way to the bank. Perhaps like other Cheltenhamers, your measure of success is the Cheltenham motto. Does anyone know what, what it is? The Cheltenham motto. Salubritas et fruditio. Health and education. Health and education is the motto of our town. Hey, how's that for uh, a measure of success? You want to be a good, hardworking Cheltenhamer, that's how you measure it. You're healthy, and you've made a success of your education, you've studied well, you've got a good job, you're making the money, you're able to make decisions, you're an influencer. That's how you're a good Cheltenhamer. That's the measure of success. As long as you've got your health, you're able to make good decisions because of your education, you're achieving the suitable level of greatness. Tolu, you guys are in a brilliant space if you want a great education for young Zach there. This is the right town, Cooksey. It's the right town. Health and education. Is that a bad thing? No. It's a really great thing. Of course it is. 
sporting opportunities, educational opportunities, networking opportunities, connections. This is a great town. It does, however, lead us to the question of values. Why is that important to us? This might surprise you as we read this, uh, this quote, but the Washington Post quoted author Brene Brown, and we often hear from her, saying, who we are and how we engage with the world are much stronger predictors of how our children will do than what we know about parenting. Hmm. In terms of teaching our children to dare greatly, in other words, be go-getters, the question isn't so much, are you parenting the right way, as it is, are you the adult that you want your child to grow up to be? That hits hard. She seems to say that her research says it's not about the environment so much. It's not as much about the opportunities that young Zach is going to get. It's about the type of person that you, Cooksey, Tolu, you friends, me, are to the next generation. You might not be a parent this morning. <laughs> you might be an aspirant parent. You might just be somebody who is a role model for the next generation. This is for us. This is for us. You've heard the saying, kids don't care what you tell them. They will imitate what you do. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I've been caught out by my kids many a time. My kids follow my eyes. They follow my eyes. They, when, I'm walking, when I walk in the street or I'm driving in the car, my kids are looking at what I am looking at. So where my eyes go, their eyes go. That's some responsibility, guys. Men, fathers, they speak the way that I speak, not the way that I would like them to speak. So the other night, I'm tucking uh, our oldest into bed, and he says, quite out of the blue, uh, Dad, you used the S word today. Now I'm going, S word, S word, S word, S word, which one? Thankfully, it was shut up. It could have been way worse. But I'm not proud of that either, but you know, it could have been worse. And I just realized it really makes a difference. My kids are going to do what I do and not what I ask them to do. If character, if the type of man or woman our child will grow into is almost the greatest indicator of what our children will achieve one day when they grow up, what they would be like. What a responsibility is it not for all of us who carry the importance of the next generation in our hands and in our hearts. What a responsibility to be the adult, to be the adult that we want our children, we want our friends' children, we want the children of our town, to grow up to be like. Some of us 
are single parents? It's tough. Some of us maybe grew up without a parent. It's tough. But all of us, the point that, that Brene is making is that we all have a voice into some young people's world. We are influencers. We shape their future. And we have an incredible opportunity and responsibility to help shape that character in a positive way. You want to know what type of man your son is going to grow up to be? Maybe your daughter, what type of woman she will be? Tolu Kuksi, if you guys want to know what type of young man Zach is going to grow up to be, best thing is look in the mirror at the moment. That, that's the best way to try and figure out what kind of man he will be. What will he value? What will he be passionate about? Look in the mirror. Are you... Where is Tolu? He's hiding. There he is, Tolu. Tolu, are you, are you the great man that you are hoping Zach is going to grow up to be? And Cooksey, are, are you... Eh? Cooksey, are you the great woman that you are hoping Zach will look for when he is choosing a wife? Don't answer. Because the pressure will break you. That's the reality. I think this is almost too much for any of us to bear. Who could stand up to that level of pressure and scrutiny? Thankfully, there is help, isn't there? Thankfully, there is a model of greatness that goes beyond ourselves. Arguably, one of the greatest men and kings that ever lived is the man King David, who was king of Israel about 3,000 years ago. For about 40 years, he ruled. And if there is someone who has any right to boast about his prowess as a man and his success as a king and a ruler, then surely it was he. His greatness was on display for all to see. And under his rule, and interestingly, under his son's rule, Solomon, the nation of Israel was larger, was more powerful, was more wealthy than any other time in the history of the nation. Of, of King David, God himself spoke and said, this is a man after my own heart. That is a very impressive endorsement indeed. So if there is a man on earth who could look himself in the mirror and say, son, imitate this man that you see here in front of you. Surely it could be David. But David recognized that his own greatness as a man, as a king, as a father, paled in comparison to the Lord who is greatness. David writes, Psalm 145, out of which I'm going to draw all of these little quotes from. He says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness no one can fathom. Three times in one verse, that word comes out. This is the great King David who is writing these things. And he's so struck by 
God's greatness in comparison to His own that He writes, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. That's a long time. And every day, that's often. Often, David mulling, musing over the greatness of God. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. So, 3,000 years before Brene Brown writes that it's our character and our actions that shape the next generation, David is looking to God and he's saying, one generation will commend your works to the other and they will tell of your mighty acts. And instead of using himself as the model citizen and the model for greatness, David, using Brene Brown's advice, emphasizes that it's the character and the nature and the works of God that must be highlighted to the next generation. David knew this, first-hand experience. Dad, dads make mistakes. Moms make mistakes. You might be surprised to hear that. Particularly if you're not a parent yet. <laughs> David made terrible mistakes. Mistakes that echoed through eternity, stealing a phrase from Gladiator. He was a horrible father. That's one thing you really can't say about David, is that he was a good dad. He really wasn't. But... To his credit, King David knew that keeping himself fixed on God and encouraging his sons and daughters to keep their eyes fixed on God and imitating God the Father and what He has done is so much better, more enduring, and really more successful than focusing on himself as a father. And this psalm wonderfully highlights some of the great characteristics of God, who He is, what He does. And then King David in Psalm 145, he invites us as the readers to look at this great story of God and with a longing be able to look at our children, look at the next generation and say, we want them to be like this. We want them to be like this man, this character, this nature, rather than like us. So the scriptures are going on behind me. I'm just going to highlight the, the words. Abundant, sorry, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Oh, abundant goodness and righteousness. Someone who is good to all, upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. These are characteristics of God that oh, I would love to see in myself and I would love to see in my children. These are characteristics of greatness. I long for these characteristics to be in bucketfuls in our next generation. These are acts of true greatness that focus on others and helping others achieve their potential of being more like God.
King David invites us in this psalm to take the pressure off ourselves as parents, wannabe parents, and of those who the next generation are definitely looking to. He says, take the pressure off by stop looking in the mirror and cast our eyes upwards to God. If we long for our children and the young men and women of the next generation to make a difference, a lasting impact in their world, to be truly great, let us keep our eyes fixed on God, on our Heavenly Father, and let us keep pointing the next generation to Him as well in turn. As we, these generation shapers, imitate God and are drawn into His story, I think we're changed into His image, into His likeness, into His character, and His actions will follow. We end up looking, sounding, smelling, walking like God. And our kids and the young people we influence will see this in us. They will be attracted to that. There is something compelling about the greatness of God as a focal point that draws hearts. And the young people will soon be set on a course to discover true greatness. Greatness in steadfast love, greatness in abundant goodness, greatness in serving others, greatness in upholding those who fall down. Why is there such a push in our generation for social justice, to help the poor, help the downtrodden, provide food, provide protection, look after our environment. It's in here. It's in here. It's innate to us to want to work for the good and to uphold those who are struggling. We can't help but be impacted to our very core when we look at this God, when we read further through Scripture about His Son Jesus, who is the personification of every character element, every attribute of the Father's nature and heart. Everything we would want for ourselves and our children to be like and to imitate is found in the person and the of the Son of God, Jesus. I'd love to invite the band back up as I sort of wind down because we're going to continue worshiping after this. Because more than babies, more than families coming to celebrate that, we're here to, to recognize and want to give an opportunity for us to recognize the greatness of God and respond appropriately. Because God... In all of these words that we were reading, His greatness, what true greatness is, He doesn't just speak a big game. He's not just mouthing off, and then when it really comes to the crunch, He holds back His goodness. Because when we were powerless to even recognize who God is and what He is like, before we even could identify Him and before and start imitating Him, we needed Him to catch our eye. 
We needed Him to reveal Himself to us, and He sent His own Son, Jesus, to do that, who was like the Father in every way, all the attributes of God, and He chose to lay them down. Those divine rights, most of the time, He he lays them down, other than the moments where we read of these miracles. It's, It's just the divine power of God breaking through. But in laying down His divine attributes, He took upon us Himself our frailty, our human flesh, so that He could relate in every way to our pains, to our suffering, to our desires, our ambitions, our anxieties, even, even those of our children. Now, although Jesus didn't have children, I'm reminded of the passage where He says, to His disciples, no, don't stop the children from coming to Me. Let the children come. Let them see, let them feel, let them experience so that they will be changed. So that they know what true servanthood is, what true greatness is. His death on a Roman cross, punishment for our rebellion against God. When we, when we choose to steer clear of who God is and what He desires for us as a best life, Jesus took our place on the cross, punishment, so that the separation that should really be ours, Jesus took so that for all eternity we would be able to be near God, know Him as He is, see Him, imitate Him, be like Him, and allow the generations to follow behind. I think Jesus' resurrection from the grave means that our efforts, our efforts in investing into our children, they're not lost to darkness when we close our eyes in this life. They go on into eternity with Jesus. They go on. They make a difference. They're worshipped. They're worthwhile choosing every day to lay down certain things that we feel like we want to do, but we recognize, oh, this is not in line with the man or woman I'd like to be, and certainly not in line with the man or woman I'd like my son or our next generation to be like. And we will live on into eternity with this character and this nature that's been shaped by God the Father and and rescued by His Son, Jesus. Friends, God is not far from any one of us. And His story is big. And He invites us, no matter where you are in in your journey of faith, maybe you'd consider yourself a believer, a Christian, maybe you wouldn't, maybe you're exploring, maybe you'd say, I'm just here for the baby. Either way, the invitation is there to be drawn increasingly into the story of God, the story of the man whom we regard as the greatest, kindest, most glorious, most powerful, most majestic man who ever walked, Jesus, and allow that to shape the trajectory the eternal trajectory of our lives and that of the next generation.
For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.